Mulaney, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Has some time. Deep shot for Parker. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Glad to have you with us. It is a football Friday, and welcome to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be on the Strip. Then, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin Show, streaming live, of course, tcmartinshow.com, and of course, locally here in Las Vegas, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and I'm sure our Canadian listeners are listening in, whether it's Regina, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Calgary, they're they're all there, Uh, whether they're in the bubble or not, who knows. Glad to have you with us. Ballpark Frank in the house. What's going on? BPF. Yeah, you know, just uh, checking out the beautiful sports book here at the Cosmopolitan, watching a little Orioles Yankees, and of course, you know, I'm a big tennis fan, and uh, Alexander Zverev and Karino Busta going at it in the first men's semifinal, followed by Dominic Team and Medvedev. So, uh, got some great tennis action here. The horse racing going on. This book is absolutely sensational. Best sports update brought to you by Ballpark Frank, live from the Cosmopolitan. Double B in the house, Brian Benowitz, our VP of Casino Operations, hockey slash horse racing college football guru. Yeah, How's the, that introduction? That's a, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the ghost yeah. today. Yeah, the ghost. You I'm, are listen, the ghost. I, I, I'm wearing my, uh, my Dave Casper shirt, yeah. uh, jersey. Uh, you know my friend uh, Charlie. Absolutely. I've been to his house. Our Foo, good friend Charlie. Our good friend Foo. He, uh, he, after three years of training for the Raiders, he's, he's put me on uh, part of Raider Nation, so I, I'm ready to go, and uh, I wanted to go uh, traditional, old school, and... Uh, the ghost was one of my favorites. Wow. Yeah. I should uh, request uh, Charlie to get me a Kenny the Snake Stabler jersey. Oh, yeah. Snake was a great one. That'd be good. I yeah. had a Snake Cliff jer- Branch. How about Charlie? I know you're listening. Because Cliff Branch, number 21, yeah. my number. Yeah. I, need, I need a Cliff Branch jersey. I had a, a, a Snake jersey or a T-shirt under my pads when I played football for years. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Big fan of the Snake. Is it like Alabama one of those, guy? Is it like one of those uh, old UCLA shirts I saw you wear uh, for like you know? It was yeah, had it for thirty yeah, years. It and it got, yeah, it yeah. had yeah. moth it, holes. It all actually over just it. fell apart. I think one day. I, I, I actually used to have a Todd Christensen jersey. Yeah, really. The old yeah. tight end. Yeah, great, yeah. great player. Forty-eight, right? Forty-seven, forty-eight. Mm, yeah, it was up there. Doesn't, yeah. 40s. He was in the 40s, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Marcus Allen, one of the best backs ever. Number 32 in your scorecard. I'd say your best short, short down, short distance back of all time. Yeah. You know, him going over the top was something to see. All right, guys. We are here at Cosmopolitan each and every Friday. Come on out and join us. Our best bet segment is back this week from now until the end of the football season. We give you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays, and I know I'm already going to get a lot of flack from you guys because I'm asking for three college plays when there are 19 college games on the board, but uh, there are not many marquee matchups this week. But that's okay. You can still make some money. Yeah, it is the worst <laughs> college football weekend I have ever seen on a sheet. You know, but it is. At least you know, there's a few teams attempting to play, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. But it will get better as weeks go on. 
Well, yep. it will get better, provided they continue to play. Yes, yes. it will get better. Yep. Can't, it can't be as bad as Navy looked in that first week. Yeah. Navy, BYU getting drilled by Navy. Yes, it was 55-3, to three, hmm. and I think that BYU just got people out of the, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the scrimmage team to play at the end there just to keep it down because it was it was a, a runaway right from the get-go. And, and as we talked to Trevor Maddich earlier in the week on Monday, he had told us that Navy had not been hitting during their practices. It's like, if you had that kind of information, because the, the game was virtually a pick -em. It was one. I, I looked to here right before kickoff, it was one, and I'm like, huh. You know, BYU looks a little intriguing, although Navy's usually pretty uh, reliable as a, as a solid team at home. Uh, no fans, you know, so you're trying to play in your head is your first game of the year to look at and you're like Well, you know, I, I think I'll just stay away and watch but boy It would have nice been have no, to have that knowledge because BYU took it to him right from the get-go and just never let up I, I guess the question is when will Navy start to uh, be allowed to start hitting because they certainly didn't do it in that game Yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's for which, certain. which is very unusual for a Navy team to get blown out like that uh, very, you know Well-oiled machine and uh, again very well coached team too so all right, our Best Bets segment is back, and you can go on the website and check out the Best Bets as well, too. you get our picks. Our good friend Scott Spreitzer, our handicapper extraordinaire, he will join us a little bit later on in the show as well, too. But you can always find the Best Bets on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Again, three best college and three best NFL plays, and there are some great NFL games as we have the opening week here of the National Football League season. Last night it started in Kansas City, and I thought that we would have much more of a game than we had last night where the Houston Texans really didn't show up until garbage time, middle of the fourth quarter, but it was all Kansas City all the time last night. Patrick Mahomes was phenomenal, spread the ball out beautifully to all of his wide receivers. Even Tyreek Hill really was a, a MIA, so to speak, but uh, and again, uh, you know, the rookie running back from LSU that we marveled over the last couple seasons. Uh, was fantastic, over 100 yards, but the Chiefs looked like the Super Bowl champs last night. Yeah, they, they were, uh, I, I didn't turn it on until after the end of the, the night's game last night, but it was already pretty much over at the time. I did get to see that last field goal, which was very important for a lot of people here <laughs> that bet the over, yes. because that pushed it over by, I think, a half a point in the race in sportsbook. So uh, a lot of celebrating for a late field goal with 30 seconds left. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things here in Vegas. You know, people look at the lines, and most people just look at who wins and loses, but here it's by how much and what was the total and everything else. But, yeah, I, I was channel surfing back and forth a little bit, watching the night, some tennis, some other stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, Kansas City, for people that were wondering, is there going to be a Super Bowl hangover or something like that? Mm. Now, it's still a long season. There could be down the road, but last night we didn't see any signs of that. All right. Well, Stanley Cup playoffs, the Western Conference Finals, game number three last night, and the Dallas Stars get the victory over the Golden Knights 3-2 in OT. The game winner comes 31 seconds into overtime. The first shot taken in the overtime period, a perfectly placed goal uh, by Dallas, and uh, they get the victory. Now they lead uh, this series two games to one. We'll get into, into that dynamic in a little bit, but uh, with Frank and Brian, our two hockey gurus, I want to get your thoughts. What was your biggest takeaway from last night's Golden Knights loss? Well, I, I thought the Vegas Golden Knights played very well, especially in the third period. Really had a great push there. Uh, the second period, they were a little off uh, on the long change. Um, the overtime was a brilliant shot. I mean, Radulov, who I don't really care for, to be totally honest, uh, blisters it right into the top corner, post in, post in, uh, in and uh, that was all she wrote. I mean, not, you couldn't have given him more. He, I mean, he couldn't have had more than an inch to put that in. Right. And he just put it right where he needed to put it, and... Uh, you know, say la vie. That's what happens. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know what the shot count ended up being. I'm not a huge shot count guy, but the possession of the puck after about the middle of the second period was all nights. Uh, they were pushing it. The goalie for the uh, Dallas was kind of flopping around, maybe made some fortunate saves. Uh, the Knights hit the post a few times, and it just seemed like a little bit of puck luck was uh, was uh, in Dallas's uh, favor. There. Knights outshot Dallas last night, forty to twenty-three. Mm-hmm. And again, we've been talking a lot about this. And sometimes, you know, people say, "Well, shots on goal—that stat's a little bit overrated." And, you, and you, we saw that in the last series with the Golden Knights, that they continually outshot, you know, uh, Vancouver, and we're seeing it again in this series. It was a really good hockey game. Both teams play very, very hard, very heavy games. Uh, a lot of hitting, uh, you know, you make a mistake and, and it can end up in the back of your net. And uh, uh, the Knights gave up a few too many odd man rushes, I'd say. Um, you know, Dallas was able to take advantage of a couple of them. Uh, but they, they also forced their own opportunity. Um, they had Carlson streaking alone one time and uh, their goalie made a nice save on yeah, it. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's playoff hockey. These games are not easy, especially when you get to the Western Conference uh, Finals. And uh, they'll have to gear up and win three out of the next four to move on. Yeah, when I was watching the game, I thought that Dallas basically stole the game last night. Uh, I thought Vegas outplayed them for the bulk of the game. Dallas in the first period tried to get very physical. They were trying to uh, they were going to make sure that they were going to throw their weight around, let them know that Ryan Reeves and Vegas weren't going to intimidate them. But they only had four shots on goal. Vegas completely dominated the first period. Dallas played way better in the second period. That's when they got into the game. That was by far their best period of the action. Huboden was playing solid, but like you mentioned, Brian, uh, you know he was kind of flopping around a little bit. Maybe got some fortuitous saves. Also made some where he was athletic. Uh, now there's concern that maybe Robin Leonard uh, hurt his knee on a shot that he got hit with last night. In the bubble, it's hard to know stuff exactly what's going on. So we'll see if he plays um, tomorrow night or not. Uh, you would expect him to, but if he's hurt, maybe he doesn't. Maybe they go back to Marc-Andre Fleury. And there's some stuff, some controversy on a contract with Leonard going on as well. But overall, I just thought Dallas found a way to win a game that, quite honestly, they shouldn't have won. They were outplayed in the game. Uh, they were outshot in the game. They were physical. And like you said, Radulov, that was a beautiful shot. And saying that he had an inch, I think is probably a little bit, uh, th- th- that's probably more than he had. He had a fraction of an inch, but he put it in exactly where he needed to. And he's had a rough series. He's been frustrated. He's been taking stupid penalties. He hasn't played well. But last night when all was said and done, even though, once again, I don't think he had a great game, he's the hero of the game because he had the game-winning goal. That late goal in the, in the second period that put the uh, Dallas Stars ahead, um, you know, Mark Stone takes a, sh- a shot with about 20 seconds left. And this is why you don't just shoot the puck. The defensive men were already in there. He takes a shot that ricochets back. He tries to spin her out and falls, and then it's a 2-on-0 the other way. And that puck just really just trickled past Robin Leonard, who made the original save with his leg. Uh, he just couldn't quite extend out to the post, and it kind of trickled. And it, it didn't even hit to the back of the net. No, you yeah, know. it basically hit off his skate and the post, and yeah. then it just kind of spun around and found a win. And you mentioned the yeah. odd man rushes. When you're winning games, people don't talk about those kind of things. I believe in the game before they had seven odd man rushes, but Dallas only got one shot in those because they were overpassing or they weren't putting it on the net. That has been one of the problems that Vegas has had throughout this series. They had it in Vancouver. They even had it against Chicago, although, again, you don't think of those things in a series that you win four games to one. But they have been turning the puck over and allowing odd man rushes. 
The goaltending hasn't been the reason whenever they've lost a game. Now, last night you could maybe argue that, you know, maybe there was a goal or two. Like the one goal Leonard gave up was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you, you can't give up that goal. The Radulov shot was incredible, but occasionally you're going to. That's when a team has to pick it up. But, again, in yeah. my opinion, Dallas completely stole that game last night. The, the Jamie Benn goal was a bad goal. Uh, they were coming on an on-man rush. Jamie Benn is just shooting for his pads and hoping for a rebound, and, and he happened to catch the inside of the pad, and it flipped right past him. And that was that was one that was was a little discouraging. Uh, the Knights fought. They fought back from behind twice to tie it up. Uh, really had a great opportunity to win it late in the third. And, uh, you know, hats off to Dallas. I mean, they, you, you, these are not easy games to win. They found a way to win. The, the physical nature of this series, we have talked about that a lot this, this week. And uh, we saw it from Dallas last night. They out-hit the Knights 55-42. to 42, And the, the more physical team definitely was Dallas last night. And that could pose a problem, you know, for the Knights going forward here. Well, uh, losing Nosek was it was uh, was troubling. So you you shorten your bench, yep. and because they lost Nosek, uh, they didn't use uh, Ryan Reeves a lot in the third or if at all. Yeah, I think I'm he played like sure. seven minutes in the game. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if he was even on the ice in the third. I don't recall. Um, and I'm not a st statistician like you are, TC, to, to let me know on that. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you'll see uh, Cousins back. I don't think you'll see. Uh, um, no sick back in this game. I'll give you. I'll give you a nice little stat here. Now we've been talking about this. The series here being a very low-scoring series. Mm -hmm. Don't expect a lot of goals. And the one sure thing is, is the under here cashing in, in all uh, three games thus far. But when Dallas scored the first goal with 13 seconds left in the second period, it was their first goal in 157 minutes which is kind of mind-boggling. And then when you talk about Leonard, how, how great he's been, you know, pitching four shutouts in this postseason, that was the first he, the first goal he gave up in 171 minutes. Yep. Yeah, I, I did read that. That's, that's, that's awfully impressive. The Knights have played very well. And Dallas has overpassed the puck a little bit, too, when, they, when they've had some odd man rushes. When you're coming in two-on-one or three-on-two, you've got to get that puck on net. Force a rebound, force something to happen. You, you miss the net or you make that extra pass. Sometimes it really costs you, and then they're coming back the other way. Yeah, it's amazing when you're watching the game how often you hear the announcer say, you've got to shoot the puck there. And I know, like you said, sometimes they're trying to make that perfect pass. They want to get that tic-tac goal like we saw Vegas get the no-sick goal mm -hmm. in the game before. But in the playoffs especially, you've got to put it on net. You And then you charge the net. You hope for the rebound. You hope to get something gritty there. If the goaltender saves it and he, can, and he can, handles it, then congratulations, you tip your hat to him. But so many times, those are the kind of goals that wins games, and those are the things you have to do. And sometimes if you're really good, you can even shoot, or you can shoot it at a different angle where you know he's going to save it, but you know it might go to one of your guys rushing in to try to get that rebound there. But when you're overpassing and the pass doesn't even connect and you don't even get a shot on goal, that's missed opportunities. And in the playoffs, every goal is so important. That, you know, most of these games have been one-goal games. And TC, you mentioned the fact that Dallas hadn't scored for so long. Yeah, remember that first goal that they had. It was the first shot of the game that Marc-Andre Fleury gave up when he hadn't been playing in a little while. The rest of that game, he shut him down, and then Leonard had to shut the shutout the second game. So, yeah, I mean, uh, they haven't been scoring a lot, but neither has Vegas. Yeah, I think you might see Marc-Andre Fleury tomorrow night, um, especially if there's a little bit of an injury uh, uh, to Leonard. Uh, give him a little rest. He's a big man. He's a big man, and to give him a, an extra couple of days where the other goalie's got to keep coming back and keep coming back, and Vegas had, did put a lot of pressure on him. It wasn't that they weren't putting pressure on it, and it wasn't that they weren't getting great opportunities. They did. It wasn't all from the outside. They were crashing the net. It just didn't quite happen for them. So uh, you got a very fresh Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, and now is when you maybe use him. This would be the time. We've talked so much about this. 
you know, does Peter DeBoer have a, you know, goalie controversy? Do they have a, you know, one in one a goalie like he would like to say? And and what you know, a lot of fans have been hearing. But when you line it up, I mean, Robin Leonard is is the number one. Now Frank mentioned, uh, you know, contract. Uh, there is a story that is out there that uh, Robin Leonard is ready to sign a a deal, an extension with the Golden Knights. And uh, it's and Frank, I know you have the numbers on this, and I'll let you give us the numbers, and then I'm going to read you a quote that came from Robin Leonard earlier today. Yeah, I actually originally saw this story about three days ago. It was being reported by somebody out of Los Angeles, so I tried to do a little bit more research, and now it's blowing up all over. Uh, Sin Ben's been reporting it, the Review Journal, a lot of places in town and that, that Robin Leonard, back in June, actually, they came to terms on a contract for five years for $5 million, for $25 million, so $5 million a year, and um, nothing is set in stone yet because, of course, they still have salary cap issues. They would have to get rid of some salary. There's a lot of other things involved in it. And apparently, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent got wind of this deal, and that's when he sent out that picture when he heard about it with the sword through Fleury's back and that because they are definitely talking with Robin Leonard. That's no surprise. Everybody knew that. The surprising thing is that in Chicago, I believe, he was offered like $6 million to stay or whatever, but then he didn't sign it, but it also wasn't a five-year deal. It seems like he really likes Vegas, and Robin Leonard, to me, just seems like a goalkeeper that wants to be wanted someplace. I mean, he was a guy who was a Vesna finalist with the Islanders, and they let him go. He was in Chicago with Corey Crawford. He said he loves Chicago. They traded him out here. This guy is one of the best goalies in the league, and he can't find a home, so he's taking a little bit less money. Maybe some of that's because of the no state income tax and different things out here, but uh, $5 million a year for five years, $25 million is what's been reported, and for the Vegas Golden Knights, that's probably a pretty good rate for him because there's goaltenders out there that haven't played nearly as well as Robin Leonard who make a lot more than that. And Leonard spoke on this, and he said, it's not true regarding the contract. Nothing is finalized. It's kind of annoying that here we are in the conference final, and people are saying things that they don't know. If it would have been finalized, it would have been finalized. I'm here to win a cup, not discuss this stuff. <laughs> so good take by Robin Leonard. Uh, obviously, this is bothering him. And, you know, this is, especially coming off of a loss, you don't want this kind of stuff brewing in your locker room. Yeah, I, I will just say this, though, real quick. I mean, he's kind of got to say that. And, and, again, it can't be finalized yet because there's other salary cap issues and they couldn't fit that in right now. So uh, it, it, just because it's not finalized doesn't mean that it's not agreed to in principle, and that's what the original story said. It's been agreed to in principle. Now they have to find a way to work the numbers in under the cap. All right, game number four tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Looking forward to it. The Knights find themselves trailing two games to one. Brian, they've only trailed one other time in a series, two games to one. We know what that was. That was a Stanley Cup final where they ended up losing to the Washington Capitals. But uh, Golden Knights in some unfamiliar territory here. Yeah, it's 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 a different makeup of a team. Every every series is different. Uh, these have been hard-hitting, very close games, very well played for the most part. There's just been a few errors here and there. But, uh, you know, we're going to see again what the makeup of the team is. I, I think... They, 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 they play together. I don't think the goalie matters because both goalies are exceptional and they play for both goalies. So I don't think there's anything in the locker room other than the Nosek injury. They are healthy. So uh, I expect a big effort tomorrow and uh, hopefully they not up the series. All right. 
Golden Knights trail two games to one. Stanley Cup Finals, Western rather Western Conference Finals, and uh, game number four tomorrow. We'll keep a close eye on that at 5 p.m. All right, when we come back, we start diving into the busy week of the NFL. Looking forward to the opening weekend. Scott Spritzer will join us, get some handicapping tips from our guru from Doc Sports, and uh, who will be joining us each and every Friday here on the program. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is the T.C. Martin Show on a football Friday. There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. It is a football Friday. Get ready for the weekend. NFL action. It kicked off last night. Kansas City victorious over Houston. We got some great marquee games. We'll be breaking that down for you. Our best bet segment also coming your way a little bit later on. So hang tight with that. You got to love a little earth, wind, and fire. When are they sure. coming to the Chelsea? Let's go. Well, when is entertainment coming back to the Chelsea? You know, we need to have more than 50 people allowed in these ballrooms, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a difficult thing. Uh, I'll leave that up to the governor before we can get those big concerts back, but we do miss it. We, we miss having a, you know, world-class entertainment here at the Chelsea or even at the Boulevard Pool. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of fun here. We still have some live entertainment in the, in the barbershop with some nice social distancing in there. And, uh, uh, you know... It's still a great place to be here, the Cosmopolitan. Just walk around, you got great live entertainment. What are you talking about, that's right. right? That's right. There's great people watching. There's, There's, great, great, <laughs> There's great people watching all the time. That's right. And great food as well, too. Block 16, check that out. If you have not checked out Block 16, the dynamic food court, one of a kind of food specialty restaurants up there. Block 16 on the second floor at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, you got to love that. All right, let's talk to our good friend Scott Spritzer. Uh, was supposed to be with us live and in person today, but he's stuck out uh, out and about in Las Vegas. Scott, what's going on, my friend? I took social distancing to a whole new level, I guess. Yeah. I did, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a. I, I got an interview coming up or a shoot at 2:45. Unfortunately, it was a last-minute thing, but man, I'm doing well out here. I just can't wait. Last night it was great to have some NFL football, guys. It definitely was. All right, Scott, let's talk about some of these marquee games here and get uh, a couple opinions, and then uh, we'll actually take your best bets um, during uh, the, the end of this segment as well, too. But when you look at, at the NFL on Sunday and even Monday, we've got some, some real good matchups. And I want to start with the Green Bay-Minnesota game uh, as well. We've got the rivalry. Of course, uh, no fans will be in the Minneapolis, but uh, the battle between Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, the Vikings, they want to have something to say uh, about that division. The Packers uh, went all the way to the NFC Championship game, surprised a lot of people here. And we have Minnesota, a three-point favorite. It almost seems like we've got, you know, these two teams that has been such a rivalry battling for the division. It's, it's been a while since these two have really battled for a division title. And it seems like, uh, you know, these two teams are ready to go and definitely the class of the NFC Central. Yeah, I North, I should say. <laughs> I actually make the Vikings a little bit better than Green Bay, and I'm just wondering if we should use the the word fraudulent or not yet when it comes to Green Bay's 13 and three campaign last year. And I, I say that because you'll recall that Green Bay was actually outgained last year. They go 13 and three, but they finished with less yardage than they allowed. So I'm not quite as bullish as some people on Green Bay. And remember, Minnesota who finished with 10 wins outscored its opponents. 407 to 303. You can make arguments that at 10 and 6, Minnesota was a better team than Green Bay, but it didn't show when the two teams hooked up. They lost 
uh, to Green Bay, but they outgained Green Bay 421 to 335. They averaged seven yards per play to 4.86 yards per play, talking about the first meeting last year. And they also ran for almost 200 yards on 7.3 yards per carry. Uh, but they were mistake-prone in one game. They outgained them in another game. And the bottom line is, is I just felt that Green Bay had a lot of good fortune go their way, T.C. Mm-hmm. All right, you look at uh, a couple other matchups here. Uh, intriguing matchup with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. And, of course, you know, if you're a Browns fan, you're, you're always saying, you know, wait till next year. And I, I don't know if this year is actually going to be any different than last year. But uh, another year, Baker Mayfield is, uh, you know, their quarterback. Coaching change again here. Odell Beckham has been kind of quiet here during the offseason. But then again, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, there are a lot of people that, that think that Lamar Jackson is not going to have the same kind of year that he had. Baltimore is a 7.5-point home favorite in this game. Do you think Cleveland can slide within the number here, or is this a Baltimore blowout? Yeah, I didn't bet the game myself, but I lean towards the Browns as far as the points are concerned. And if you remember last year when Baltimore finally got knocked out of the playoffs, what happened is the blueprint was kind of laid. We'll see if they made the adjustments. Harbaugh talked about it in the offseason as far as what they're going to have to do, uh, that next step that's going to have to be made by this Baltimore offense in the passing game because what they want to do was shut down in that final playoff game. And Cleveland, remember, they beat this team last year by 15. They were getting seven in that game in one of the contests. So it's not like Cleveland's going to come in and be intimidated. I do like the hire. I think Stefanski's a great hire. Uh, I mean, that's head and shoulders better than what they had in Freddie Kitchens as far as guys calling the shots and roaming the sidelines. And as far as Cleveland is concerned, do they have as much individual talent on this team as Baltimore? No, they don't. But they do have a very talented team on an individual basis. They're just hoping Stefanski can put it together where Kitchens couldn't. And remember last year, I mean, I know Baker Mayfield made his share of mistakes, but his offensive line did not help him whatsoever throughout the course of the year. So it's one of those wait-and-see type of situations for me this week, guys. You know, the Browns have only won, what, one of their last 21 season openers outright? But it's one of those things where I just want to wait and see if Stefanski can make enough improvements to the Cleveland offensive line to be a real factor. Scott Spicer joins us, Doc Sports, breaking it down. We'll get Scott's bets best here in a couple minutes. A couple other games real quick. I want you to hit on a couple marquee games, Scott, is Dallas and the Rams. And then, of course, we've got Tampa and New Orleans, the battle between Brady and Breeze. Give us some quick thoughts on those two games. Well, as far as Dallas and the Rams is concerned, you know, I look at the upgrade again at coaching, just like I mentioned when I talked about Cleveland. And remember, the Cowboys, they were the number one offense in total offense last year in the NFL at 431.5 yards per game. So now you've got a real coach who can get the, the most and the best out of the talent he has on the offensive side of the football. And I think you're going to see a team that's got a real good shot to win 10 games. Mike Nolan is the new defensive coordinator. Nothing but respect for what Nolan does as far as a coordinator is concerned on the defensive side of the football. And the Rams, you know, how are they going to replace all these people that they lost? They lost a ton of people. Uh, they were exposed by New England, that offense, a couple of years ago in that Super Bowl game, and they've never been the same since. So it's going to be a situation where McVay's going to have to make some changes on offense. And in this particular game, it's probably going to be a situation where I might come in and jump on Dallas. But for me, TC, it's going to be Dallas or nothing in this game. All right. 
All right, Scott. So I know you got to get rolling. You're doing some videos today. Uh, let's start with our best bet segment here, and we'll let uh, you, you know, kick us off. We'll we'll come back with ours a little bit later in the show. But uh, let's talk about our three best college plays starting tomorrow. Our first play I jumped on was Coastal Carolina when it got to seven. It's come down to six and a half at a lot of spots now. Uh, this opened a good four points lower than this at most of the books in Vegas. If you bet on Kansas in revenge, that's the biggest argument I've heard for KU this year is revenge mode. But if you've been betting on Kansas in revenge mode, your bankroll has taken a hit or two uh, with all those coaches that we've seen since Mark Mancino's tenure ended in Lawrence. Uh, Turnovers were a situation that hurt Kansas. They do tend to trade back to norm from one season to next when they're at an extreme level, either positive or negative. In Kansas's case, it was negative. But they lost a lot of production from last year. Here's the bottom line for me. We saw how tough it was for Navy against BYU when Navy had very little practice as far as contact was concerned uh, due to the coaches taking that extra precaution with the virus. Coastal Carolina uh, actually had their full allotment of 15 spring practices. Kansas had zero. With all the new faces for Kansas, with 14 starters back for Coastal, and remember, they beat Kansas last year outright. I had to jump on the seven with Coastal Carolina. See, that's the kind of information, Brian, that you were you were asking about right there. There I, you go. I was craving for it. I was craving for it, and Scott's not here. Yeah. And he's not been here. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, we need him here a little more often. <laughs> there it is. Coastal Carolina plus the, I guess, the, the line. It opened seven, like you said, yeah, six and a half there. And, again, I guess it doesn't matter, Scott. Charlie Weiss or Les Miles, right? Kansas just can't seem to get the head coaching thing right. Charlie Weiss, Turner Gill. I mean, right down the line. Right. Ever since you know Mark Mancino left, they just have not been able to get it together. All right. Give us another pick. Notre Dame minus 20 over Duke, guys. And listen, uh, Duke finished last season ranked outside of the top 120 in offensive efficiency. And while they welcomed that Clemson quarterback Chase Bryce to the mix this year, I just think they're in for another tough run, uh, starting with that loss of their first team center to injury. Uh, I don't expect improvements in the early going by the Duke defense. Uh, you'll recall the Irish had their way with them last year. They ran for nearly 300 yards, seven yards per carry. They beat them by 31. They outgained Duke by nearly 300 yards in total offense. And Notre Dame's been outstanding as big chalk. Uh, at least they were last season at three tries at it, and I expect more of the same. So I think Dame finds a way to win this again. It's going to be like, you know, 41-10 type of game. And Notre Dame will have about 20,000 fans in attendance, so there will be fans uh, at uh, in South Bend tomorrow. All right, Scott, what else you got for us college-wise? Took Tulane, and I laid the points with Tulane over South Alabama. I had South Alabama last week against Southern Miss, and South Al won that game outright as a double-digit dog. That was a case of going against Southern Miss, who are already reeling and had a head coach of the hot seat who actually resigned now a few days ago after that one game. Uh, so that was as part of the as much a part of the equation as it was being on South Alabama going against Southern Miss. Uh, but now they face a much better defense this week by leaps and bounds. One that's well prepared, according to all reports. And Tulane is going to replace last year's starting quarterback. But all else is well for Willie Fritz, and I'm a big Willie Fritz fan, head coach for the Green Wave. I have Tulane winning this by 17, so I went ahead and laid the points here. All right, NFL, let's go to Sunday's docket. Who do you like? Well, I kind of talked a little bit about the Vikings over the Packers. That's one of my plays. I do like Minnesota to get the win there. Um, I think it's a situation for the fact that they had, you know, four costly turnovers in that first meeting led by 
uh, a point at the half, but made a bunch of mistakes. They'll overcome that. They had a big game where they outgamed Green Bay last year, as I mentioned. I think they'll be just fine. And I think Green Bay was a little bit overvalued. I don't like what they did in the offseason. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he could come out with a lot to prove, but I just don't think he has the right parts or the right coach around him. I'll move on to the Falcons, plus the points over the Seahawks. And it's no secret Seattle is a notoriously slow starter under Pete Carroll. They have not covered a season opener in six years. I did several preseason videos, TC, and one of those talked about the Atlanta Falcons, the major improvements made with that coaching decision on defense last year. They started out horribly. They finished up strong. And let's not forget that when Matt Ryan is healthy, this team moves the ball. They've won and covered 11 of 12 home openers that he started. Uh, listen, they made several offseason improvements on the opposite side of the football, and I think they get the job done in this game against Seattle. All right. And I think you have one more, right? Yes, I do. And I'll give this one to you guys, and I'm going to give you a little week one angle here. I'm not a big trade guy, but I do like some of these kind of angles that do have some basis to them. I'm on Arizona plus seven over San Francisco. Not just for this angle, but I think it's a pretty cool angle, and it's only for week one. And what you do is you take uh, teams that are off a losing season that lost both games to that division opponent the previous season, and they're getting three points or more. Those teams are 39-17 and 17 against the spread. They come out with a little extra motivation. That would be the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins is on this team now. Uh, they've upgraded on offense, but they've also added Isaiah Simmons on defense, a great addition. And let's not forget this team went 9-5-2 and two against the spread last year. They were 2-2 two and two straight up in their final four games. They were two scores away from ending the season on a 4-0 and oh straight up run. And then, of course, last year against San Francisco, both games were close. They could have won both games. They lost 36-26 and 28-25. Throw the angle in the mix. And I like Arizona plus the points over San Francisco. That is Scott Spritzer burning the midnight candle to come up with stats like that. Good stuff. That's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> the fact that he could come up so confident on the docket that's college football this week is very impressive. He had Coastal and he had Tulane, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. All right. Yeah. See, see, Brian's only sticking to the big conferences, Scott. Yeah. So I told him I, there, there's money to be made out there. It doesn't matter, right? You if know, they're going to blow the whistle, they're going to kick it off. I'm a big five guy, and now I'm a big three guy. <laughs> That's right. And so there were only four games <laughs> to choose from for me to look at this week. Hey, man, you got to stick with what works for you, no doubt about it. So i got no problem with Brian sticking to three conferences. <laughs> yeah. All right, Scott, we appreciate the time, my friend. Scott's a great follow on Twitter as well, at Scott Wins. And, of course, you go to the Doc Sports website and uh, get all the information and sign up and get Scott's picks. We appreciate you, brother. We'll look forward to seeing you here hopefully next week. Sounds good, guys. Take care. There he is, Scott Spritzer. There it is, breaking it down for us. Uh, and, again, on a thin college card, but uh, NFL, some very strong stuff here as well, too. And I looked at that San Francisco-Arizona uh, game as well, and I, I, it didn't make my, my top plays, but – I kind of lean with Scott a little bit. I could see Arizona hanging close in this game. And this is a team that that greatly improved as the season went on last year. And Kyler Murray had two very good games against the Niners last year. Yeah, and it's a big number. I mean, you're, you're getting a full touchdown and the extra points. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of home dogs. It's an intriguing card for, for pro football as, as is as poor as college football is on Saturday. Sunday is just a, a beautiful docket. And I know your fantasy football has got to be ready to go. Who's, who are we rooting for this year? 
Uh, my quarterback is Drew Brees, actually. Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah. He, he, so, he can bring it. He, he can bring it. So right. I, I, I was happy with that. Uh, you know, got a couple, and I got DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. You know, so I'm thinking change of scenery is going to do him some good. So we'll see. Just don't ask Frank about his fantasy team. I don't know. I don't know, Frank. I don't, fantasy football. <laughs> I don't do the fantasy either. I like to hear it. You, you guys, exactly. You know, I, I, Kat with a K is a huge fantasy girl, and she said she could take you on any time here. Bring it on. Bring, bring it on. on. There you well, go. You're, you're just bring getting it on. challenged all over, I'm huh? Getting, yeah. Armado's going to beat you in cornhole. He called you out yesterday. And <laughs> really? Now, now you're getting challenged for fantasy. Are football. you a cornhole guy? You know, I never was, but I... Now he thinks he is. I think I am because I, I went to a party uh, back in the spring, and they wanted to play cornhole. And I said, fine, and I got addicted to it. Yeah. I played like four hours of cornhole, and I'm ready to take on all comers now. Well, you know, uh, we bought some cornhole during the COVID time, and so uh, we had a little time in the backyard, and we played it. It's a fun game. So do you have one of the, the logo, one of the team logos on no, your just, board? Uh, you know what? It's just a just, uh, uh, United Jane, States huh? flag uh, uh, cornhole. Uh, okay. So we got it for 4th of July. All right. Or, I'm coming after you, Armando. You and your Boise State Bronco cornhole board, I'm coming after you. There yeah. you go. Okay. Boise State Broncos. Yeah, that's uh, what he has. He has. Did they do the Statue of Liberty on that play? I mean, they, they, I guess Oklahoma. Stuff. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. When we come back, we will give you our best bets. We've got the NFL and the college docket coming your way. We are live from the Cosmopolitan on a Football Friday TC Martin show. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Yes, good crowd on hand here, of course, at the Cosmopolitan Inside the Sportsbook. Come on out here and enjoy a plethora of games and sports. As we had that record day yesterday where you had NFL game, college football, NBA playoff games, Stanley Cup playoff games, the WNBA. Tennis. U.S. Open tennis. Yeah. it's it, Baseball. You had everything. I think we even had cornhole. From a sports fan, you had to have cornhole somewhere. <laughs> I mean, somebody's pitching that cornhole. I'm sure there was a few people in KC that got there early. The uh, 11 people they had in the stands right. there that they could put in there, there was playing some cornhole. All right. Plenty of stuff to, to watch <laughs> and wager on here. All right. It is time for our best bets. It's Football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Live from the CG Sportsbook, here's the best bets. Okay, here we go. Three best college plays. It's kind of a slim pickings college board, but we'll make the most of it. Uh, Hopefully it'll get back to some sort of a semblance that we're used to uh, starting next week. And then we got three pro games, our best ones. We're going to start with my man, Ballpark Frank. Dive in, Frank. All right, well, I'm going to start off with the college here. And um, looking at the uh, lines here as we are at the uh, Cosmopolitan, of course. And uh, by the way, if you are putting your money down in the picks I'm making... You've probably lost your mind because uh, I haven't done a lot of in-depth surgery, uh, you know, analysis on this stuff. But no disclaimers here. Let's I, go. I'm I'm being perfectly frank, man. I'm just trying to be <laughs> honest with people frank, out there, you know. Uh, All right. So, uh, like Brian said, I, I kind of know the big conferences a little bit better, or at least I think I do. So my first college pick is going to be Iowa State. I'm going to take Iowa State because I think they're a pretty good team, and uh, with only three of the big conferences playing this year. I think they've got a shot to maybe uh, make something happen this year. Taking on uh, UL Lafayette. And uh, I notice there the line is uh, minus seven. 11 and a half, I believe. Yeah. 11 and a yeah. half is what it and was. And Brock it, Purdy. We know Brock Purdy, don't we, Brian? Yeah. Uh, good quarterback for Iowa State. Iowa State's very good. Lafayette, I think, went 11 and three last they did. year. They were a very high explosive team. So yeah. uh, that over under might be a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
My second game is going to be uh, a team that I think is always kind of overrated, uh, at least at the start of the season, because they've been good for so many years. I'm going to take uh, Georgia Tech, and I'm going to take the 12 against Florida State, because I think these teams know each other a little bit. And Florida State, their offense is always questionable to me at the start of the season, so I'm going to take Georgia Tech. I'm going to take the 12 in that one. And then my last college pick is going to be the Clemson Tigers. I think they have a shot to be the best team in the country this year. Uh, they're one of the top teams out there. It's a gigantic number at 32, but I think they want to make a statement early on in the season. And after what uh, BYU did against Navy, well, why wouldn't Clemson want to go out as well and show somebody make a statement right in the first game? I think Clemson absolutely rolls over Wake Forest. All right, Double B, give well, us your three college. That's laying a big number, but I'll tell you what, they got to be angry after their last game, you know, when they got <laughs> shelled there. Right. Uh, I, you know, I started off in the ACC because uh, there's uh, not that much to choose from. I took the 23 points with Syracuse. I think they're going to revert back to their form they showed a couple years ago. I think they had a little bit of a down year. I think North Carolina is a little overrated, and I don't think it's time to lay that kind of lumber with a team that's uh, as uh, unproven as, as the Tar Heels. I stay kind of in the ACC, and I go right to Duke. I mean, sorry, North Car uh, Notre Dame to beat Duke. Okay. With everything that uh, Scott said, I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a class edge. I think that Duke's a, a, a little haired out. I remember they were the first team to opt out of the uh, NCAA tournament, and I don't think that they're going to be very well prepared for this game. And I think the crowd will be intimidating to go in there, and, and I think this number 20 will be covered by halftime. Wow. Okay. Stay, stay in the ACC, and I disagree with Frank. I'm going to go with Florida State. I'm going to lay a couple of touchdowns. I think they're ready to uh, come in with a new coaching and a new play, and uh, Georgia Tech is still kind of in flux from that uh, – uh, option they ran, so they really don't have much much going because they didn't have a lot of practices there. So I'm going to lay the 12 and a half points with uh, Florida State. Yeah, Florida State has had four coaches the last four seasons. It's been it's been crazy. Uh, and again, you think they have plenty of talent there. And Georgia Tech, I mean, it, it's going to take years for them to get things together because of you know running that the, the Veer slash triple option, and they're in their second year under uh, their new head coach. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I, I looked at that game. I kind of wanted to lean a little bit towards Florida State. But uh, kind of hard to handicap, you know, when you got two downwritten programs like that. Well, th this whole docket's hard to handicap. Yeah. There's only 13 games to choose from, right. and there's not many from the big conferences. But, you know, TC said pick three games, and I picked three games. All right. Me. I'm going to give my three games. So here we go. Uh, Clemson and Wake Forest. Frank, don't worry about it. I am with you, my man. We're going to lay 32. <laughs> we'll lay 33. We'll lay 34. It's not going to matter. Don't let the big line fool you in this game. Last year, Clemson defeated Wake Forest 52-3. The year before, 63-3 when they played in Winston-Salem. Clemson has beaten Wake Forest 11 straight times. It's been three years since Wake has scored a touchdown against Clemson. So I'm not worried about laying the lumber here. Yes, I'm, I'm going to take the national champs. They are loaded again at every position. And, oh, by the way, Brian, they've only won 29 of their last 30 games. They are not afraid of laying big numbers. Dabo Sweeney is not uh, immune to laying the lumber and hammering people. It doesn't matter if conference opponents, non-conference opponents. So this should have a minimum of, of 51 to 10 written all over it. It's, if my math is good... You're that's there. enough for a cover. That's right. There, there it is. Go. And I'm going to go against Scott, believe it or not. I know that's a little dangerous sometimes with South Alabama and Tulane. Ooh. I'm going to take South Alabama plus nine and a half. 
And uh, South Alabama is actually 1-0. They beat down Southern Miss last week, 32-21. to They gained 526 yards. And I understand Southern Miss is, is down a little bit, but still they have had some decent teams over the last few years. But check out some of these stats. 526 yards they gained. They had a 99-yard touchdown drive last week. They did not allow a sack on defense, and their punter never came on the field. They never punted the ball last week as they uh, defeated Southern Miss. Then, this is a home game for South Alabama in a brand new stadium. They're fired up. You're getting nine and a half at home. And Tulane has a very shaky quarterback. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and take the points at home, new stadium. Everything I'm hearing is South Alabama's fired up in, in this one, so plus nine and a half there. All right, then uh, finally in college, I got Louisville against Western Kentucky. Louisville got better as the season ended last year. They beat uh, Mississippi State in the Music City Bowl. They beat Western Kentucky last year, 38-21, to really dominated them on the road. And Louisville, they're an explosive offensive team. Their quarterback is Mikhail Cunningham. He's a junior. He's in his fourth season. He learned under Lamar Jackson. He completes 62% of his passes. And as far as Western Kentucky goes, Here's the reason why you go against Western Kentucky, Brian. And you may remember this guy. Their quarterback is a transfer from Maryland. Tyler Pigrom. That's right. We love picking on Pigrom. Almost as good as my goofball friend from Wisconsin. Who, who was our quarterback that I couldn't stand at Wisconsin a couple uh, years ago? What was his name again? Uh, Whoever he was, he was horrible. Like, uh, it'll come to me. Yeah, it'll, it'll come, come to me. I can't remember. There it is. He, huh? was your, he was your favorite. You picked on him for an entire season. <laughs> exactly. So Pigrom... Nine touchdown passes at Maryland last year. Ten interceptions. You must go against anyone named Pigrome. There's my college place. All right, let's go to the NFL side. Ballpark Frank, who you got? All right, well, I'm going to start it off in the NFL and take a game that, of course, uh, is near and dear to my heart, the Bears and the Lions. Some people think the two worst teams in the uh, in that particular division in the North. I don't know about that. I don't think Green Bay is going to be very good this year, but... Uh, the Bears can't lose to the Lions to start off, can they? I mean, come on, man. Uh, they beat them like six in a row. Uh, I'm going to take Chicago plus three points. Give me points against Detroit anytime, and I will probably take that. So I like the Bears over Detroit. Uh, I know out here everybody's jumping on the Raider bandwagon. I know Brian's got his ghost shirt on today. I'm going to go against them because when everybody's on a side, I'm going to go the other side. So I'm going to take Carolina at home. I'm going to take the three points for that. So Carolina plus the three. And then I'm going to go against Scott like you did in a game as well. I'm going to do it in the pros. Uh, I, I know that Seattle is notoriously slow starting out, and I think they know that as well. So this year they're going to try to amend that and change it a little bit. I'm going to uh, take the minus two and take Seattle on the road. I'm still not sold on Atlanta. We hear all the time how they're going to be better every year, and then it doesn't seem to come to fruition. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Seahawks minus the two. So the Bears, the Panthers, and the Seahawks. All right, double B. Yeah, I'm going to start off with the Cleveland Browns uh, getting seven and a half points on the road in Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore had to be the biggest disappointment in the playoffs last year as they were riding a real big high, and they got thumped. And like you, like you said, there was a little bit of a blueprint on how to beat this team. And Cleveland had played some pretty competitive games with them. So I think they're going to stay within that number. They're healthy, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll take the uh, little over a touchdown. Uh, next, I'm going to go with the Saints, Drew Brees. I think he's going to light it up. Uh, I'm not sure how many people will be in the Dome, but the Dome will be rocking anyway. And uh, they're always tough at home, and that seems like just too short of a number uh, to, to lay only three and a half. Um, lastly, I'm going to take the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams over the Cowboys. I know everybody's all high on the Cowboys, 
but you got a brand new stadium they're breaking in, and uh, the Rams are fired up to get back into their form like they were a couple years ago. I think they're going to play really hard on defense, and I think this will be fairly low scoring uh, versus that 51 points on the over-under there. But I'm going to take the Rams to, to break in their new stadium with a nice win. Yeah, I looked at the Rams. I like the Rams myself, too, and uh, very strong defense yeah. uh, the Rams have this year as well, too. And uh, hopefully Jared Goff can get the job done. Again, not a huge Dak Prescott fan, uh, so we'll see if the Rams can get the job done, like you said, at their new home at the SoFi Stadium. All right, uh, with you, Frank, against Scott, I'm taking the Seahawks as well, too. We've been hearing a lot about Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta knows what they are. They lost their top uh, running backs, uh, you know, Devontae Freeman last year and the year before, Tevin Coleman. And so the only really running back they got is Todd Gurley, who came over from the Rams. And the Rams didn't want anything to do with Gurley because of the injury. We don't know what kind of shape this guy is in, and there's really no depth behind Gurley there in Atlanta, so they're going to have to rely on Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And we know that Julio Jones, is he's been banged up, I mean, year after year. So how will, how will Gurley respond is a big question mark. And what is happening with Atlanta, I have no idea. But I do like the Seahawks in this situation. There are no fans in the stands. So advantage road team here. And plus you got Russell Wilson. He knows this team, this opponent, very, very well. Because Dan Quinn, remember, was the defensive coordinator in Seattle for many years. And again, Seattle has played Atlanta five times in the last five seasons. So I think Russell Wilson, and like I agree with you, Frank, they know they're a slow starting team, but they are have been very, very good on the road. Seattle, a little disappointing last season on at home, but on the road, pretty locked in, pretty focused. Again, no home field advantage. I like the Seahawks in this one. I'm going to take the Colts. I like the Colts minus 7.5 against Jacksonville. Phillip Rivers' era begins in Indianapolis. The Colts are a solid team. Jacksonville is a pure mess. It, they've had a dumpster fire there, getting rid of all their stars. Uh, Jalen Ramsey went to the Rams. They lost three running backs. Remember, Leonard Fournette went bye-bye uh, last week. They've lost three running backs in the past two weeks. Phillip Rivers actually has owned Jacksonville when he was with the Chargers. He won seven out of uh, his last eight against the Jacksonville Jaguars, averaging over 30 points a game. They did that six times, threw 20 touchdown passes, and only threw one interception against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who traditionally have a pretty good defense. Indy has added uh, DeForest Buckner and Xavier Rose to the defensive side of the ball. So I like Indy here as a road favorite. And my motto really here is kind of going against bad teams, going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think are going to be lucky to win four or five games this year, as I feel about the Washington Football Club. I'm taking the Eagles in this one, laying six. I mean, how is Washington going to be ready to play football? The turmoil. They got the pandemic. They got the name change. They got lawsuits. They got their owner basically being forced out. Um, ugly uniforms on top of that. New coach and Ron Rivera. Unproven young quarterback and Dwayne Haskins. And plus you got Carson Wentz. Hasn't lost to Washington since his rookie year. He set a franchise record over 4,000 passing yards last season. Philly has a revamped and improved secondary with Darius Slay along with uh, Nikel Roby Coleman. I like Philly here, and again, no fans in the stands in D.C., so why not take Philly? I will lay the six there. All right, those are our best bets. You can see them all up on the website. Scott Spritzer is up there, Matthew Holt, and our good friend Adam Joseph from Opportunity Village. And I'm sporting the Opportunity Village mask today. You do look as good. the Football charity contest starts, gets underway, and you can sign up. You got till 5 o'clock at uh, 
Tomorrow, tomorrow at five o'clock. Tomorrow at five o'clock. Tomorrow at five o'clock. Any opinion? Any opinion on these Monday night games? These two road dogs are the road favorites. No, not really. Huh? You tried to sport Brian's jersey earlier today too. That's true. Yeah, he took. He tried to take the the ghost jersey right off my back. There, it's pretty impressive. All right, guys, we are here each and every Friday here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. I want to thank Numchuck getting the job done here as always, and Quake back in the studio. For Brian Benowitz and Ballpark Frank, you guys, hope all your picks come in this weekend. And we'll uh, reconvene on Monday, and we're back here at the Cosmopolitan on Friday. All right, get on here to the Cosmopolitan. No better place to be here in Las Vegas than the Cosmopolitan. T.C. Bart saying so long you miss any part of the show. Go to the website, check out our best bets, the blogs, and don't forget VGK tomorrow night, game four against the Dallas Stars. If you miss anything, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.